beginning. Only the beginning. From this moment, all other research must cease. Absolute priority is to be given to... Paul Joe. Yes, and what do you do? There is a question that the future must keep secret. Absolutely nothing must delay this glorious project. Here comes the drums. So here it comes, the sound of drums. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, all of it. In random order, I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we're a couple of Doctor Who fans who uh, I now start to believe in retrospect became journalists specifically so that we could write about Doctor Who. And <laughs> uh, yes, and now we have a podcast and our drums are never in sync on the podcast. So I do apologize for that, but I kind of think that's that's our signature now. Yeah, Just a and little someday, bit Chris, someday. <laughs> someday we'll Some- get it. Someday we'll I'm, be in the same room doing this, or adjacent rooms. <laughs> I'm and trying to be more. just like a microsecond off sync when I do them now, uh, just so that we can line up on the podcast. Anyway, uh, we are a random adventure, and Pete, where have we been on this random adventure? Yeah, previously on Pull to Open, we were at Attack of the Cybermen, a Colin Baker adventure, his first real proper adventure after the Twin Dilemma. It led off season 22 back in the classic series. Um, I would say we came out a little bit split on that, but we were kind of agreed it was um, not the greatest of Cyberman adventures. Um, but prior to that, we were at State of Decay uh, in the mm, Space trilogy. Yeah, vampires, great vampires, and lots of uh, fun stuff in Space. So there was that. Yeah. And then uh, prior to that, we had a little bit of Capaldi action, which, as everyone knows, is the randomizer's favorite doctor the randomizer of course guiding our journey here throughout the doctor who canon on television uh we had robot of sherwood and smile back to back right uh two two robot focused stories uh the randomizer has certainly been on a kick of showing us kind of bad robots (laughs) i don't mean bad robots in a so bad they're good kind of way i mean and no just... not bad robots in the jj abrams kind of way <laughs> exactly uh but we've you know we uh, we've had clockwork robots which i suppose were like technically great but uh functionally bad mm-hmm. uh in the the girl in the fireplace they're always uh, going it, haywire those clockwork robots it's just been things. yeah it's just been a cook's tour of of weird bad robots in doctor who history and then sort of weird bad cybermen last week and now and now we come to perhaps the best most chilling robots ish robot like <laughs> robotic like travel machines it is genesis of the daleks and i I don't know about you, Pete, but uh, you know any any sort of long term Doctor Who fan knows that uh, Genesis of the Daleks is to be treated with as much reverence as, uh, well, the Book of Genesis to uh, believers in the Bible. Uh, it's it's oh, yes. just one of those stories that um, you know you just sort of feel slight palpitations discussing it because it's so so archetypal so important to the whole thing that we call doctor who in so many ways stylistically you know plot wise the characters it introduces but we'll get to all of that but first it's kind of a big deal in other words but yes it's kind of a big deal (laughs) i'm a little nervous about tldwing it i I gotta say i know this is on you this week okay well Uh, not just yet chris take a breath (laughs) 
because uh, we have some other things to talk about before we get to the meat of this. So first of all, guys, reviews. We love reviews. Uh, you're listening to this podcast on an app, probably somewhere, uh, whatever that app is, especially if it happens to be an Apple app. Uh, we'd love it if you could review the podcast. Uh, even if you are listening on some other app, why not get the Apple app and review it in the Apple uh, store? Because actually, uh, getting reviews is one of the key ways, as everyone knows, for a podcast to get more visibility. Uh, we, the more people that are reviewing your podcast, the more ears it can reach. So please go ahead and leave some reviews if you can. Doesn't yes, take please. long. Please tell the algorithm that mm-hmm. we uh, that we're good, and uh, here we are th- about to throw our role at Genesis of the Daleks, and uh, you know watch it again so you don't have to watch it a sixteenth time. So yeah, please just throw <laughs> out a, a one emoji review uh, plus five stars. I mean, I guess there are emojis yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but you- we have we have a, a new review with mm-hmm. emoji in it, I believe. Yeah, so when you do leave a review, we really, one of the things we'd like to do is read them out here on air, and we have uh, a new review. And this is from uh, someone in Australia. The handle is Subtitles2. <laughs> great little uh, great little handle there, I like that. Okay. And here's how it reads. It's titled, Splendid Chaps, both of them. Ooh. Five stars. This podcast is another wonderful addition to the world of Doctor Who fandom podcasts, where pure enjoyment of the show is the focus. If you like DW podcasts that are fans just enjoying themselves discussing an episode, this is one for you. Now, as requested on the show, some <laughs> some guess the episode emojis. Okay, so this is a sort of a sequel to something that someone did a little while back. A really great uh, 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 contribution of putting emojis together to show uh, episode titles and, and uh, it, it's really great. It's a great yeah. thing. Now, now someone, he left these actually. And um, they, um, I, we have, we haven't looked at that. I looked at a couple of them, but then I kind of looked away and I know yep. you've purposely not looked at them I so have. that I can, I can basically read them to you. So yeah. I'll read you the ones. This is a warm up uh, game before TLDW. Yeah. There's, there's actually five of them. So we'll, I'll, I'll rapid fire them here. So here we go. <clears throat> All right. Black Circle, Flower, Cricket Bat, a Cookie, a Cupcake, and a Wine Glass. So it's six emojis in a row. Um, so it's uh, Black uh, black Orchid? Um, I think hmm. that's it. And I think uh, you kind of almost didn't even need the, the last four. <laughs> I, I, I hope I didn't get this confused and there weren't like... Um, two of them together here, like, you know, but I think yeah. it's Black Orchid with all sort of the cricket and posh stuff that yeah, were associated just, with that episode. It's scene setting. I mean, look, your yeah, emoji... Totally. Hey, here's what I'm going to say. I'll just interrupt this contest for one second to say, when you leave <laughs> us an emoji review, help fill in the gap of uh, emoji descriptions of episodes, uh, mm-hmm. and we can collect them all. We can stick them right there in the codex, which is available in the show notes, and that'll be the official sequence of emojis for that episode even if we haven't been there and we will read your emoji review again whenever we get there so come on folks we we have 300 stories we will have 300 stories very shortly to do an emoji form and uh there's now like 290 something so yeah get get on it while you can in your review all right those emoji titles coming okay next one it's two emojis in a row here they are stopwatch and an airplane stopwatch and an airplane (laughs) <laughs> wait so this is two titles or it's one title no it's one title one title stopwatch uh, and airplane uh no flying uh no uh hmm 
No, no flights. Time flights. Uh, time flights. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I'm definitely having this thing where like the names of all Doctor Who stories have suddenly fled my head. Whereas normally they sort of take up residence there, like three fifths of the hot week. Seat. It's tough yeah. being in that suit. I, I get it. Okay, this one you'll this you'll get this right away. Um, it's uh, three vampires and one <laughs> one's a girl. The three who rule. It's state of decay. Yeah, we, was we this there. was this review posted before we did state of decay? Uh, I think it was probably right around the same time. So that's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Well, perhaps um, I knew that we were going there from the end of the previous show. So, so this one might be a little easy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here we go. So there are three um, uh, people in a row, three faces in a row. Mm. And one is uh, dark hair. One is blonde hair. One is red hair. It looks like, which is kind of throwing me off a bit. But they're all wearing lab coats. Uh, is it the power of three? Is it? Uh, uh, you know what? That's a good question. Maybe it is yeah. supposed to be that. I oh, we don't have the actual answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of surmising them as I go, huh. and I think this is the three doctors. Because I think I think I, I didn't want to tell you they were doctor emojis because I think uh, that takes it away. Yeah, so I think it's the three doctors. Okay, All that's right. embarrassing. So there's this last one. I, I'm not even <laughs> Who's sure. The Who's the redhead? Who's the redhead? I don't. I think he's just trying to make them look different. <laughs> <laughs> you can do two doctors with a redhead. You can yeah. do the mad Scottish Patrick. Also, if it was the power of three, I think one of them would have had to been uh, a girl, and they're all they're all male emojis. So yeah. Oh, they, I think they identify as male. Yeah, okay. Um, well. All right. Expert level. Mm-hmm. This one, Uh-oh. I don't even, I'm not even sure of this one. Okay. So it's a tooth, <laughs> okay. uh, a glass. It looks like a whiskey glass uh, and a piano. <laughs> tooth, whiskey glass, piano. Well, the piano takes me straight to Missy being in the vault. Uh, right. That's where I go with that. Tooth. We've already done state of decay. So we know it's not that. Uh, I don't know this one. Is it? It's not tooth and claw, is it? Tooth and claw, maybe. Is there a piano? Where, how do you get the claw? Yeah. Uh. Well, you know what? Let's... A bite. <laughs> there a bite episode? <laughs> Who drinks whiskey tooth. in Doctor Who? My good. Oh, is it? Uh, it's got to be. Could it be the brandy from um, Twice Upon a Time? No. God, I'm, mm. I'm thinking too deeply about this one. You know what? Let's. let's, let's, let's... at me. Let's leave this. Crack open the codex. Let's crack open the (laughs) codex, sure. Uh, But or maybe we could just leave this one as a cliffhanger. You could freeze frame on this. Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah, (laughs) come back Uh, next week. We'll come back, uh, or possibly the week after. Figure it out. Uh, We'll figure it out. We may have a special episode coming where we look at the codex. So this that might help us. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Cool. That's good. Wow. We, we kind of stumped us. I, I think it's probably going to come to me mid podcast. And as well, we're, we're talking about the call it bunkers. I'm like, Oh wait, hold on. I've got it. Um, but moving on. Thank you very much. By the way, subtitles too. Those are great. And again, everybody, yeah. uh, please keep the reviews coming. Um, so we yeah, also have emoji in the database. All right. Oh, for sure. Oh, reminder. Also, uh, of all the apps we're on, we're now on Amazon music, stitcher and Castbox, where you can heart us. So, Go ahead and heart all our post the episodes on Castbox. Uh, more more ways to listen, always good. And uh, we had a great week on social media. Um, so TikTok has been growing like crazy, as everyone knows. And I'm always uh, taken aback by 
one, the enthusiasm and, and which uh, which videos go viral, but also just how many people, uh, how, how many followers are getting. So when we last we talked, we were at about 5,000 and we've already jumped about 400 more. So we're almost at 5,500. We're about 5,400 right and now. And we've done that exclusively with, with Old Who, which is not necessarily TikTok's favorite area. And yeah. You might imagine there's there's definitely a lot more interest in the new Who episodes, but we're we're actually getting some viral stuff from from the Baker era, the, the Baker eras, I should say, uh, which is pretty much all the randomizer goes to in in old Who. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we got love to talk about uh, some of those classic episodes, especially the State of Decay. Which well, the, some... the advantage of State of Decay is it, it gave us a lot of thoughts for for New Who and of New Who and that the whole mm-hmm. the Great Vampire War, you know, the Vampire War versus the Time Lords, which is something people forget about State of Decay or, or don't know about if they haven't seen it. That prompted a lot of discussion on TikTok, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I, I feel like the kids today might be into vampires a little bit. They, yeah, <laughs> for various reasons. Yeah. So you know. The fact you know, that Doctor Who took it on uh, a while back, uh, I think, it is a little bit intriguing. And, and RTD is so the right person to do a Doctor Who Twilight crossover. Oh yes, oh, <laughs> or, you know, faux, faux Twilight. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, we we they had also, a... they also love the CVS receipt, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> the Doctor's CVS <laughs> receipt that spills out of the TARDIS console and says, "Okay, they love that." Yeah, which was delightfully anachronistic, and you know it kind of worked. We talked about it then; it was fine. But yeah, there was it's a, it's a great visual where he's just exactly it's the example of how, how great classic Who is for TikTok yeah. is because there are just some absurd moments uh, taken out of context, and we definitely want to look at that some more. Totally. So we have our TikTok comment of the week uh, thing we like to do here on the show. So it's from uh, someone named Chris Mann, man with two ends. 350 Mm. Chris man 350 and it reads the vampire wars would uncover the fact that Rassilon was canonically considered to be the first time Lord and it turns out it was the doctor presumably meaning the doc now that we know that the doctor is the timeless child that is the first time Lord Uh, the, the timeless child has to be the first time Lord Therefore, yeah, Rassilon has to be the doctor. Or is there some other attendant fiction that I don't know about that references Rassilon being the doctor? I don't think so. This is kind of the first I've heard of this. And mm-hmm. I, although there's been, I know in the books, I haven't read them all, but there's there's references to what's called the other, right? So that mm. the, the two big figures in Time Lord history are yeah. Rassilon and Omega. And the uh, they were apparently contemporaries, even though mm-hmm. that's not really established till later. But there's also references to the other sort of, sort of, sort of like this, um, you know, trio, this triumvirate, whatever the right word is. Mm. And the other, there's, there's a lot of, there's never actually said in the books, but there's a lot of allusion made to him being the doctor. Yeah. Um, well, so. well, Chris Man 350 is certainly right about one thing, which is that going back, RTD going back to the great vampire wars and uh, would, would get, would afford a lot of opportunity to look at early, early Time Lord society and perhaps sort of flesh out that whole timeless child a little bit more, introduce a little bit more of a mystery box element to it, and, um, you know, really integrate it into the, the wider story, because I think that's a problem a lot of people have with Timeless mm-hmm. Child right now, is it just doesn't feel integrated. It kind of feels a little bit slapped on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, totally. Um, the... The idea of the Doctor being Rassilon is interesting. I, I need some convincing to like that, because I do feel like it might be one retcon too far. Because yeah. we've obviously seen them interact. 
But again, it kind of works if you think about the mechanics of like erasing his memory and yeah. uh, all that stuff. So, well, canonically, we still have versions of the Doctor that are out there who we we haven't accounted for, right? Mm-hmm. Valyard, the randomizer's taken a trial of Time Lord, so we've seen the Valyard recently. There's the uh, the Watcher right. from Legopolis, like you know the, the curator. Uh, the curator that you know we we still it's entirely possible that you create a new doctor who canon in which the doctor sort of has branch points mm-hmm. uh where they become different people yeah, um, yeah. I think that would be a very interesting way to deal with the loose bits of canon and just you know hell go go hell for leather on timeless child thing just make the doctor so completely timeless that they can be multiple people at once it's almost like the meme, the, the meme of, uh, I think it's Charlie Day pointing at a, bo- a board full of uh, <laughs> photos. Yeah, the, yeah, the conspiracy thing. Like, yeah. Here's the, you know, it's the doctor family tree, but it's all conspiracy. Uh, yeah, I love it. Let me just start I mean, smoking a mad cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. Even if this specific, like this specific comment just got my imagination going, even though if I, I think it might be a little too on the nose, it's also like, well, let's. Let's talk about that old era and fill in some blanks. I love, uh, we definitely want to see that. So awesome. Yeah, definitely. Great thing about a Doctor Who discussion. It just sp- spurs your head cannon and then we're just in our happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we also had a lot of love for Lala Ward. Yeah. Uh, in State of Decay. Yeah. And, and I wanted to shout out another comment. Just it's uh, just because it's, it's kind of just fun to hear about this. So uh, a commenter by, with the handle PJ Bagnall. PJ Bagnall sounds like almost a real name there. Um, <laughs> what are people leaving their real names now on TikTok with that? <laughs> well, maybe it's because he might be, um, he might be not quite the demographic of TikTok that is is normal. <laughs> because uh, the comment it reads as follows: I used to be one of Lala's gardeners when I worked in my last company. The lads I worked with had no idea they were in the presence of Doctor Who royalty. And that's just a cool story. I just, I you it. know, I wanted to just highlight it because it's like, uh, I, I like that six degrees of separation aspect. I also love the reverence for Lala Ward, who, as we all know, is awesome and fantastic. And as you mentioned in uh, the State of Decay podcast, she she is royalty, right? <laughs> or yeah, she's, she's pretty close to it. She's, uh, yeah, titled. Uh, she mm-hmm. is a lady, Sarah Ward. Um, and I forget if it was a Viscount, was was her dad or Viscount whatever it was. Banger. But that's it, Viscount Banger, the greatest DJ never, name. I will never forget that, that name. <laughs> it's a great Viscount name. Banger on the decks, on the ones and twos. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the uh, what what is intriguing about this comment is it's kind of a mystery box in itself because it PJ Bagnall is not telling us how he reacted in the presence mm-hmm. of Doctor Who royalty. I mean, I I hope that he like you know bowed and scraped to her, but not for reasons of you know outdated aristocratic class systems, but for reasons of her being Romana. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would just, if it were me, I'd just walk past and doff my cap and go, Lady Romana. Hmm. I, I would have been probably shameless and asked for a selfie. So <laughs> he, uh, uh, he probably was very respectful. He's on a job. I mean, you're a pro. I think he probably did that thing. But really, how often do you get the chance to get a selfie with Romana? Right. You can have a selfie if you tug your forelock at the same time, you oik. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway. So what else do we have to talk about? YouTube is happening. Yeah. Quick reminder, we're on YouTube. We've got the season one of the podcast out there. uh, And we're uploading every week. We'll eventually get season two up there. So watch for that. Uh, And we're we're always thinking about other videos we could do. Uh, We might do that at some point. So feel free to leave some comments there or just uh, comments anywhere, really, about if you'd like to see some videos from us that aren't just the podcast. uh, Let us know. 
and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Now, we are recording this on April the 2nd, and we've uh, just seen news that on April the 17th, uh, we'll be getting our 300th, uh, according to the Pull to Open Codex Doctor Who story, Legend mm. of the Sea Devils, with uh, Sea Devils on a pirate flag. How did that grab you, Pete? <laughs> it's 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 grabby. It's um, pretty grabby. Yeah, I mean to, to three words. Sea devil pirates. It. Yeah, I mean I like the sea devils. I like the Silurians. Uh, it is kind of like how far down the classic monster list are we now? What do we have to go? Like I think after the sea devils, and maybe it'll be the Terraleptals or something like. That. So <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine bringing back the sea devils. I, you know, the Silurians and the sea devils have. Uh, a storied history they're always fun to see there's always that uh moral dilemma that comes in of like well these guys used to own the house and we kind of squatted and they kind of have a point of kind of we kind of took their house so you know like so so there's always a little bit of ambiguity there which i really like about it um i want not sure if you know the last time we did pirates it didn't work out so well, which was the Matt Smith episode. Oh God, I don't even remember the title, but it was a uh, black spot or something. Yeah, that sounds right. So yeah. uh, another crack at the pirates, I think is fine. Uh, hopefully this is the pirates of the Caribbean to the um, curse of the black spots, cutthroat Island <laughs> 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 and just fixes for pirates forever for Dr. Who. So I'm yeah, yeah. You know, we, we've not really, you're right. We've not really had a great Dr. Who piracy episode. Uh, and it is, you know, it struck me on a, on a random adventure with with Attack of the Cybermen, including the uh, Cryons, the indigenous race of Telos. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, we're you know going to be talking about the indigenous races of Scaro shortly. Um, you know, Doctor Who really does do a lot of that, and it's sort of you know you could write a whole paper on its its role in Britain's decolonization, mental decolonization of the 20th century. And, you know, so yeah, let's, let's really get into that. Let's use the sea devils. And it does Mm -hmm. sound like uh, something that Chris Chibnall would want to do as well. Um, You know, to, to comment as the best science fiction does on things in the real world that can't really otherwise be commented on without being called politics. Um, I thought it was, it was Chris Chibnall appropriate because it'll be all wet. (laughs) Um, Oh, Wow, we'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, we will be, but we'll be but here yeah. all week discussing the thing we really came to discuss, Chris. Yeah, it's time to stop oh, stalling. Oh god, <laughs> here we go. Genesis we're of the back. Daleks. We're we're here to talk about Genesis of the Daleks. But you know, just to close the loop on that, we by the time uh, the next podcast rolls around, it'll have broadcast and. Um, that'll be fun to talk about, um, though we might not have seen it yet. So uh, enjoy <laughs> and, uh, uh, your sea devils. Um, okay, Genesis the Daleks. We're here yes. to do this. We're here to do this thing called TLDW, Too Long, Doctor Who, Too Long Didn't Watch, mm-hmm. uh, where we summarize the plot of Doctor Who episodes in record time. So for the classic series, we allocate 30 seconds for every 25-minute episode. So Genesis of the Daleks is on the longer side. It's got six. It is. So you get a full three minutes, sir. I, I feel confident things. about my ability to get all the story in. What I don't feel confident about is remembering all of the back and forth between the domes and the wasteland. And there's a lot of geographical moving in, in Genesis of the Daleks. So mm, there's uh, a lot of I orders. Think, I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm going to start this story uh, or near the start of uh, TLDW, there will be a geographical 
you know, I'll, I'll just talk about things geographically <laughs> rather than chronologically. Okay, um, got it. You got a plan. Yeah. I like this. All right. yep. You've been yep. thinking exactly. about this is going to be a, like one of those Tolkien novels where you have the map yep. at the beginning. Awesome. I mean, this is going to be, you know, we, we're, we're doing all of these uh, TLDWs as TikToks, right? So they will exist on the permanent record as the <laughs> summary on TikTok of, of a particular classic episode. So. The definitive pull to open summary of Genesis of the Daleks begins <laughs> right now. Go. All right. So on the planet Scaro, the Doctor, Harry, and Sarah arrive and are told by a Time Lord that they've been brought there. They've been taken out of the transmat after Ark in Space and, and that stuff. And uh, they've been told by the Time Lord that, you know, you've got to stop the development of the Daleks. It's happening on Scarrow right now, and here you are. And here is Scarrow. So it's like a vast wasteland uh, with two domes in it. There's the Thal Dome, and there's the Khaled Dome. And next to the Khaled Dome, a couple of miles away, there's a bunker where Davros uh, and a bunch of scientists are developing the early travel uh, machine Mark III's, uh, which are later called the Daleks. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Harry and Sarah get knocked out. Uh, two of them get taken into the Khaled Dome. Uh, Sarah ends up with the Mutos in the Wasteland, goes to the Thal Dome. She ends up uh, working on a rocket that the Thals are using to destroy the Khaled Dome. Uh, meanwhile, in, in the bunker, uh, Davros's scientists are getting a little bit disturbed One by minute. what he's doing with these Daleks and his plans for them, and uh, they're, right, they're right to be disturbed because Davros is actually a traitor, and he and his uh, commander Nida, his loyal lieutenant, they go over to the Thal Dome, and they say, hey, you're about to launch uh, a rocket at the Khaled Dome. Here's how you destroy the Khaled Dome. They're given secret formulas, and uh, and and so the Thals actually launch this rocket. So so Davros has basically engineered the genocide of his own people. And the agree. Thals think they're great. They 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 think they've won the war. A thousand years of war is over. By the way, the two races have been at war for a thousand years, um, and uh, the Thals. Uh, are massacred by the Daleks, by 20 Daleks that, that uh, Davros has sent into the Thal Dome. Uh, meanwhile, the Doctor and Harry are also there, uh, got there into the Thal Dome after having somehow talked to the Khaled leadership and warned them of the development of the Daleks. Uh, now, in uh, over in the Thal Dome, they, they go to uh, where Sarah is loading up the rocket and dying, dying of uh, like radiation poisoning and, and, and some other kind of poisoning. And uh, because the, the rocket's it's like all radioactive and it's not safe. Uh, and they try to rescue Sarah, but the doctor gets uh, electrocuted on the rocket, but he gets out of that. Sarah, meanwhile, has tried to escape to the top of the dome, uh, uh, falling uh, a great path, and, and then she is uh, put back in the work detail, and the doctor and Harry uh, 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 free her, uh, but then the, uh, later on, doctor thinks that Harry and Sarah are back in the Carlet Dome when it gets blown up, but they're not. They all meet up in the wasteland again, and they get into the bunker, and they find Davros, who has been um, uh, you know, being uh, the, the concerned scientists and the military have all banded together and they've arrested Davros, but he's like, no, let, let give me a hearing. And he's like, I'll destroy the Daleks, but let's have an actual vote. They have a vote. Turns out it's a trap. Davros kills all the scientists with the Daleks. Uh, and, and then the Daleks turn around on Davros. And meanwhile, the doctor uh, escapes and with the record. Time. Oh, man, I oh. didn't get to the... The the torture of that's how I finished it up. Yeah, so the doctor uh, actually is uh, tortured by Davros. Harry and Sarah tor tortured by Davros. The doctor reveals the uh, dates and times and the ways that all the Daleks are defeated in the future, and uh, and also tries to blow up the uh, Dalek embryos which have been engineered 
uh, without uh, any conscience, which is what all the scientists were worried about. And uh, but he he just basically manages to uh, entomb the Daleks for a thousand years. He hasn't killed them, but he thinks that they might have done some good, and he wonders if he has the right to do anything more. Three forty five. <laughs> Oh my god! Right, you finished the race. There was I, so much back and forth. I, even I, I could, I could tell you were getting into trouble when you got into the rocket stuff with Sarah. Yeah, you, you were, you were kind of like on episode two and three when we, it was you're getting toward the end of your allotted time, and it was like, uh oh, is he going? I really should have yeah. used the thirty second markers that that we give because it's a, it's a, it was a rabbit hole. It's like you said when I was doing Attack of the Cybermen, yeah. you could easily go down a rabbit hole on some of these plots, and you just suddenly like. I'm doing way too much on this thread when I forgot about the main thread. Yeah, I, I was yeah, I was overconfident because it f- feels like once you get started, it feels like a lot of the episodes are filler in mm. in terms of just describing the actual plot. Yeah, uh, I didn't even get to the clams. Oh, <laughs> right, the clams! The, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Deliberately did not well, mention the giant clams. It's always a question of what you leave out in these TLDWs, and I yeah. think not mentioning the clams is completely, <laughs> totally it's legit, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of back and forth, and there's a lot of sort of side plots to keep it going. Um, the thing is, like all that stuff uh, about Genesis, it doesn't feel that long. Like it is long. It's, it feels mm-hmm. long, like an older Doctor Who episode, but it is like. These, um, these all these side plots do have a point, right? Like I, th- I think the thing with the Thals and Sarah's, um, a whole escape plan and all of that. One, it sort of shows a certain capability on Liz Sladen. We can get into that in her character, mm-hmm. but it's also, um, shows how cruel the Thals are as well. Like yeah. both, no one's a hero here. Like both, there's no like back in the old days of the the Daleks and the original Dalek episode, the Thals are portrayed as the the pacifists. I mean, they're not flawless, but they're they're the good guys who are helping the Doctor and their friends. And here, both races have been turned bitter and and basically evil because they've been in a thousand years of war. And the Thals are very cruel and mean and uh, all equally bent on genocide. Right. So it's a it's a rough time here on Scaro. <laughs> it really is. It's the most wonderfully morally ambiguous situation that possibly that the doctor has ever been in um and and to the, obviously I've, I've watched genesis of the daleks multiple times um but i'd not watched it in years and uh, was surprised upon returning to it about three things first of all the giant clams secondly the fact that it was six <laughs> episodes and somehow i'd remembered yeah. it as four episodes it is a lot longer than perhaps then it should be like to be a really tight, perfect, hundred percent, no notes classic episode. You could add this down to four. Oh yeah, right, and it it would be perfect. And indeed, there was an edited version broadcast on the on the BBC. Um, but yes, and then uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm now forgetting the third reason that I was. Uh, <laughs> what were we just talking about? Um, well, the back yeah. and forth. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in the you know that go to switch cities all the time. Can we talk? What do you want yeah. to talk about the map? Yeah. For, first but, of all, do you want to start okay? There? Just just to close the loop on that. The third yeah. thing, the third reaction. I remember it now. I was sort of just mad at the rest of Doctor Who for not being this good. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this came in 1975, and at, at that point, you have the template for how to do Doctor Who that is so good that it is legit sort of adult chilling to adults on a moralistic level uh with lots of not not just moralizing but not in moral dilemmas where like mm-hmm. who's the good guys here 
what is anyone even doing? You know, even the Doctor and Sarah and Harry, they're interfering in history and like, right. they come up with a morally ambiguous ending. So it's so knotty and thorny, and yet it still works for a kid. It still yeah. works for, for kids watching this, and you get the scares and the Daleks and all of that. So, yes, back to the map. Yeah. Well, the map, I mean, um, just the like, I, one of the things that, that, that is an easy thing to poke at this episode that people sometimes do, I don't think that it's a really that valid a criticism, is that how could you possibly have uh, a war between two civilizations who are essentially a stone's throw from each other? Yeah. And like, you know, like you could, you, it's pretty, like, I mean, there's no vehicles shown. So it seems like there, you could walk from one dome to the other with inside of a day. Um, mm. And the, uh, like, how, how could that possibly be? And they're, they're, they're talking about nuking each other, like, essentially, like, I, they, we don't know what Destronic Explosive is, but it sounds like it's radioactive. And pretty much. why would you even do that? Like, it's, it would be like uh, Manhattan nuking Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that's going to work out that well for Manhattan. You know, like uh, so. But again, like I, I, I'm not bringing this up as the criticism because that's the the sort of the weak criticism. I'm more like, well, you kind of have to go with it. And as sort of a, on a metaphorical level, it really works. Like honestly, works, even during yeah. the show, you're not even thinking this. Like the criticism, these are all come afterward. That is, and we've talked about this many times. Like the job of a, a Doctor Who story is not to not have outlandish, weird stuff with bizarre dream logic and, and plot holes. The job mm-hmm. of Doctor Who episodes is to be so good that it distracts you from all of these things. Exactly. And yeah. this, I mean, to accept <laughs> this story at all, like we've talked a lot about the, the jumping off point where you just have like, okay, I have to accept this. Uh, and with Genesis, the Daleks, it really just comes in the first five minutes. Like you have to accept that they, in some sort of dream logic way, a little bit like State of Decay, right? The the civilization is decaying to the point where they're basically using, you know, bows and arrows right. and German tanks at the same time, um, which is something that we'll return to in The, the Magician's Apprentice, right? Yeah. We can talk about that, the relation of that to Genesis of the Daleks a lot. Um, but yeah, so, so the dream logic is in, in that. It's in the Time Lord just sort of suddenly showing up and disappearing. Yeah. Um, which is the first time that we've seen a Time Lord in, in the Doctor's chronology, or just like randomly popping up like that, since Terror of the Autons, which we've right. been to. I mean, obviously, Time Lords are in um, uh, Three Doctors. Like, you know, there are other mentions of them here and there, but this is the first time Time Lords just popped out to sort of give the Doctor his quest. Yeah, presumably the CIA, which we talked about a little bit in. And that has been debated in fan circles, whether this is a a celestial intervention agency operation or whether it's some other kind of black ops or whether it's like official Time Lord and what the hell is up with that dude's collar and why does he look like he's coming out of the movie (laughs) The Seventh Seal? Because he has, because that was the inspiration. Yeah, it looks like really bad cosplay, I have to say, that Time Lord. (laughs) Uh, But you kind of see the beginnings of their shoulder, like the hats that we see later in Deadly Assassin, which are amazing. So, you know, you kind kind of take it in that way. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like in terms of the the retcon that Deadly Assassin was trying to do. I think we're supposed to take that this to be the CIA, but then there's kind of the retcon on top of the retcon, which is that this is the beginning of the Time War, 
which yeah. might be a little make it a little that. more official, right? Like which yeah. and um so I I love that. I think everyone sort of oh. bought into that idea. I think that's yes. pretty much canon now that this is the beginning of the time war. Yeah. And the first shot. Why? Why? You know what? I, yeah. I want to say up front, uh, since we, we love to talk about ideas for RTD um for for the you know 60th anniversary season um i i not only would i would love to see this genesis of the Daleks is so important and so good and so quintessential doctor who i would love that to, to see them do to this what deep space nine did with uh the trouble with troubles right? oh yeah yeah we go back that into the episode you go back yeah. into the episode you you work around the episode mm -hmm. that scaro in this situation it would be a perfect place to have another doctor just sort of lurking around corners yeah right because wow. there are so many corners you could fill in gaps and you could look at how this ties into the time war and what was it in the background that actually caused the time lords to make this disastrous decision to try to wipe out the daleks yeah you know, which results in their own uh disappearance or do yeah uh, yeah so emphasis. um i guess they give the doctor the three options which is one avert the creation to mm. um find uh well change their development so they develop into something less aggressive or three find a weakness uh and in, four in bring us a shrubbery and we uh, might as well kind of start at the end i mean like he mm. kind of fails on all counts you know and they even say that at the end like sarah's like we failed and he kind of has his philosophical thought, which is a good one. Um, sort of an expansion of what he said earlier about races uniting against the Daleks because of their evil. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a point of view, but what did, did, you know, this is a matter of a lot of debate and I don't mean to go full nerd right away, but we're talking about it. So, but it <laughs> we, is we like full nerd minutes ago. What happens to the timeline here? And that's been debated a lot because it's like, well, did the, the previous Dalek stories even happen now? Like he blows yeah. up the bunker and he blows up the incubator room and he says I've, he hasn't killed them, but their their development's been basically put back a thousand years. OK, so what does that mean? <laughs> you know, in terms of yeah, like the exactly. timeline and like it seems like all the Dalek stories still happened, but we don't we don't have to buy into that. Uh, we could say they happened, didn't happen, or just happened differently. Um, well, the, the whole chronology is kind of a mess, right? Because isn't it in, in the original serial of Daleks from 63, 64, um, what they called, they were called Dals, not Khaleds? Yeah, it's very right? briefly mentioned once or twice that the, the Daleks evolved from the Dals, who were apparently more human-like, I think, and they were like short humans. Uh, and I, honestly, I, I don't fault them for, for changing their names because people would just keep confusing them with Thals all the time. Well, the, the, you know? the big contradictory thing, though, is that in that episode, they say that the war lasted a day ah. instead of a thousand years. So uh. it's either two different wars or they say maybe it's like this explains a little bit why it's a, a barren wasteland except for two domes. Like the, the, the planet was wiped out in a day, but the war lasted a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. If you've got that kind of dome technology, you can keep it going for a lot longer. So I yeah. like that. But yeah, it's it, you know, Doctor Who is loosey goosey with its canon in a way that can infuriate uh, outsiders once they get into this. Because you know, I feel like the other sci-fi epics are so uh, firm on their canon. But here, what we're seeing is like, oh, we're, we're just like going to invent well, a new backstory for the. The Daleks. funny thing is, though, usually that happens in Doctor Who because a production team changes and they don't yeah. really 
pay close attention to what they did before. In this case, Terry Nation himself kept reinventing the Daleks' origins on his own. Yes. And you would think he, among everyone, should know, should have in his head what this is. Because he, you know, he, he wrote the Daleks, obviously, which says one thing. He wrote the tie-in comic in the 60s, which yep. uh, showed their creator was someone named Yarvaline or whatever. But yeah, he also and, wrote a, like a one-off special a couple of years previous to this uh, uh, story, yes. which was called "We Are the Daleks." Are and the it, Daleks. Said, it said it said the Daleks were actually like mutated from humans themselves. Dun, I guess. Dun, dun. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Love it when you give away the spoiler in the title. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nation was sort of like, I, I love how he was just so kind of haphazard about everything. And also, his balls in basically resubmitting. The, the, the origin story of Genesis of the Daleks is that he basically resubmitted the same script that he had done in 73 and 74. Uh, you know, Planet of the Daleks and was it Death to the Daleks? I right. My, uh, I, Death of the Daleks was the last Purdue one. Yeah, that was the one previous yeah. to this. Yes. Yeah, and then it was Planet before that, and you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, criticism that they're sort of basically the same story, and uh, you know, yeah. rewrite it a little bit. And then apparently, he did this a third time. He basically just resubmitted the same script. And Barry Letts was like, eh, "No, dude, look, <laughs> you keep giving <laughs> us the same story. How about you go back and give us a Genesis of the Daleks?" Yeah. Uh, brilliant brilliant idea and uh you know we're, we're sort of, we live in a media world now where prequels are sort of like uh synonymous with cash grabs and right. kind of yeah. shittier version of the original story this is a case where the prequel became the preeminent story oh yeah well i mean it's i'm so glad they made him work for it this time because obviously yeah. it came out gold and not only does this version of the Daleks origins, basically the, the definitive one and everything else has to contort around it. But he also gave us Davros and Davros to me and Mm. to, I think a lot of Dr. Who fans is the ultimate Dr. Who villain. He is so good. Like, I mean, I I put him even up, up, up above the master, even though I like the master and I, I, uh, whether it's him or her, I think they're both, the performances are great. And there's, there's a lot of good back and forth with the doctor that they've made of, but Davros Davros is so fleshed out here as like, um, you know, uh, he's a nut, but he is a, at least at this point in his evolution, he's just kind of a controlled nut and he's, he's so dangerous and so understandable on this sort of crazy level. He really kind of reminds me of Thanos now post Marvel, you know, there's, there's madness, but there's a logic to the madness that is terrifying because you just know they're going to be unrelenting in pursuit of this insane goal. Yeah, and he has that sort Very of true. same sense of scale, yes, uh, as yes. you, as you can see. And one of the one of the most terrifying moments is where the doctor uh, posits a thought experiment of like, what if you had a virus in that lab that would destroy all forms of life? You know, would you release it? And Davros actually seriously considers it. He's like, yeah. hmm, having a virus being the only form of life in the universe, interesting. And knowing that I had the power to release it. And and you're like, wow, this really gets at the heart of the megalomaniacal villain more than anything yeah. else. And it's particularly terrifying now. Uh, regular pull to open listeners know that I like to uh, associate Doctor Who with all sorts of uh, modern political situations. It really wasn't this hard in this case. And it's sort of like, you know, one of, one of the great things about watching stories like this over the years is you sort of see it differently. So uh, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I was into history and I looked at Davros and I was like, 
well, it's, you know, I, I heard that it was based on Joseph Mengele, like it kind of had that sort of sense of creepy experimental Nazi vibes, right? Uh, or, or he's like a bit Hitler, or he's Himmler, or he's Goebbels, like, you know, he's a creature of the past. Mm-hmm. And this time I watch it and Davros was more scary because mm-hmm. Davros reminded me of Trump. He reminded me of Putin. He is a megalomaniacal leader who is just sort of casually a traitor, you know, helps him yeah. get in his own way. Uh, casually genocidal about starting a war or, or, you know, ending a war, killing his own people, uh, not really caring about that. But also that sense of, you know, the power of one old man, like just, just sort of wanting to, you know, wave his nukes in, in the world's yeah. face. It was, I, you know, I was sitting on the couch watching this with my oh, wife and mentioned the Putin connection. She just looked at me and said, too soon. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hear everything you're saying, and I, I agree with uh, that it is almost too, not real, but I guess you feel it, like this idea mm. that this person's so, uh, not, I mean, crazy, but I mean, they're more, you get it, like, it's all about their power, you know, like when he betrays mm. his own people is such a moment. Um, and you are 100% believe it. Like, yes, yes, because that's what Davros is about. He's not about saving or building or peace. He's about his power and his pursuit of that power through the Daleks. That's the only thing he cares about. Mm. And, and he'll kill everyone, everything. Yeah. To, to get that and it's actually an indictment of patriotism right because it's like people just sort of assume that davros is a patriot because he's working working so magnanimously in the cause of the Khalids, but actually he's not a patriot he's just out for for davros yeah. he's not out for his own people but the most chilling moment for me was when he uses the the levers of democracy against democracy yeah, yeah which really struck home holy yeah. cow uh you know he's like he's Basically, diabolical man he's like, so diabolical yeah. but it's like you know i i after that whole scene where he basically tells the the scientists and the elite they're called just an interesting choice of words uh you know to let's hey you know sure i'll destroy the daleks but you know just give me give me time to talk through this in front of everyone we'll make we'll make it a vote we'll make it all nice and democratic you know isn't that what you want and the you know, the rebels are kind of backed into a corner. He's like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess we do. And then he uses that to, to trap them and kill them with the Daleks. They don't know that, but he's still like, the vote is important. It's like, yeah. I want to see who's on my side. Exactly. Man. Yeah. And it's so not he's just misusing. He yeah. is misusing democracy and avowedly doing so. Like mm-hmm. he, he turns to, uh, to NIDA and, and says, you know, see these, these fools with their weakness and their democracy, you know, yeah. I'm going to use it against them. And here in 2022, you know, still dealing with the aftermath of January the 6th and certain undemocratic elements in the world, that that really struck home. And uh, that was the point which I turned to my wife and I said, see, this is why you don't let fascists have access to democracy. Because <laughs> so- this is what they do. This is how Mussolini did it. This is how Hitler did it. You pervert the instrument of democracy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, I've got to say, like so many great, so much great dialogues. All the little speeches are very good and very relevant mm-hmm. to the story and the world. Like that little one, it's honestly not even the best speech of the whole thing where he talks about democracy, freedom, fairness. And it's this, you know, it's a creed for the magnamaniacal leader. It's, 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 but it's so good. It's so, it's so dead on. I mean, Terry Nation was, was, man, he was on fire mm-hmm. when he wrote this thing. I will say though, You've keyed in on the one plot hole that I think hurts because it's st- I, I see it every time. And even I watched it with my family and Jack, my son, 
saw too is like how come no one's thinking of the daleks like how come, how come it doesn't occur to anyone <laughs> that davros can just summon the daleks to kill everybody like it's it's, yep. it's really weird that no one thinks that or they think they can just turn them off which seems to be what even like the only person who points it out at one point is sarah and this is when they're sort of trapped in davros's office or whatever and it's like she's like well wait a minute what about the daleks that are already operational and the doctor just kind of ah, you know i'm sure garmin will dismantle them and it's like oh well can you spell out how that's going to happen? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Davros is going to let, let let that happen, and it's, it's going to turn out bad. And oh, look at look what happened! It's kind of what I was talking about with the, the chilling dream logic of this story. Because in dreams, like you know, big part of dreams is often this sense that like a threat is not being treated as a threat. Yeah. Like I've spent a lot of dreams shouting at people, going, "Don't don't you see that giant scary monster that's approaching us?" And everyone's like, "Eh." It's fine, <laughs> right? That's a common dream logic yeah. thing, right? And that's the chills of Genesis of the Daleks is there are only ever three Daleks on screen at one time. Right. But at you the feel, end, they have a few props, but only three operational yeah. ones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you, you know, it's, it's kind of a masterclass in how to use them sparingly and in the background and to use them to the point, which is also used in, in Dalek, right, in the new series and reintroducing right. them, of like, it's super scary when someone is around a Dalek and they, doesn't, they don't know what a Dalek can do. Because hmm. yeah. you are just in that dream logic moment of like wanting to scream at them, you know, get away from that thing. Yeah, you um, could kind of believe in that sense, sort of the elite and the people in the bunker don't quite, wouldn't occur to them because they actually haven't even really seen the Daleks much. They've seen them kind of move around. Like they haven't really seen them as a war machine. Like Navarro has just deployed them and, they, you know, there's no footage from the Thal City, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's like, okay, they're off. They're off doing something. Maybe they're having tea. Who knows? And no so, one is watching the news. Yeah, no, no tea, Harry. It's a little unforgivable that the doctor doesn't, though. You know, and I guess you yeah. kind of... Uh, again, he's locked away at some point and is is sort of figuring things out. But he kind of he he kind of gets a little dumb for a second. So and again, it's the one plot hole in my mind that there's a bunch of plot holes in every Doctor Who story, but it's the one that actually I, every time I watch it, I it, it occurs to me. And uh, again, it's the first time my my son saw it, and he even he pointed it out. So indeed, that's well, well, speaking of the, uh, the 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 Nazi parallels, we we should sort of point out that it was a bit too parallel. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at one point, yeah. uh, Nider is sort of famously wearing this iron cross, right. and they actually take it off because they shot. He's wearing an too iron much. cross in the early episodes, and they're like, "Oh, a little." We went a little bit too Nazi. You don't go quite that Nazi, uh, but even so, my my wife would uh, often turn to me during the episode and kind of reference the uh, uh, the the Mitchell and Webb sketch. Do you know this one no, uh, with I don't. the baddies? It's it's often used as a as a gif on on Twitter, right? It's uh, uh, David Mitchell turning turning to his colleagues and, and they're they're in SS uniforms in the bunker. He's like, Hans, I've I've just been looking at the the Death's Head skull in our uniforms. Hans, are we the baddies? <laughs> it's, you know, it's so freaking obvious that you're the baddies. Like, who else would put a Death's Head skull on it's, their uniform? It's kind of like when I um, uh, there was a recent reboot of Shira. I don't know if you yeah. know that continuity at all, but the like it keeps uh, the name of this territory like the fright zone, <laughs> and it, like what the, the story in the is that this person who works as a military advisor or uh, sorry a, a military captain for this person who runs the fright zone called Hordak, it she doesn't know that she's a bad person even though. She works for someone named Hordak, who has a skull for a case. <laughs> and 
the, their territory is called the fright zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little don't, like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, don't judge on names and appearances, Pete. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. I just, that, that always just. <laughs> I, love the it. I love it. Well, well speaking of, of references to other literature, um, have you ever heard of a comic series called Dan Dare, Pilots of the Future? I have heard of it. Uh, never and uh, it's from the 50s in Britain, and, and the, the evil character in that was the Mekon, and okay. he was a guy with a large bulbous screen head who was in a floating chair, and the Mekon is very Davrosian. Uh, he oh. precedes Davros by about 20 years. It was certainly a character that Philip Hinchcliffe, uh, the producer, was aware of, and... Uh, you know, yeah. it's, so it's been discussion of this, and certainly Michael Wisher, when he was playing Davros, had the Mekon in his head as someone he was emulating. So it may yeah. not be a Terry Nation reference. Well, I lo- let's talk about that choice. I love the choice yeah. of he. Uh, Davros is a cripple. Davros, yeah. uh, he is he is not physically, you know, formidable at all. Like he's yeah. got a Dalek base, which makes it scary, and he looks scary. But the doctor himself like wins at an arm wrestle pretty quickly there in episode five, I think it is, when yep. uh, he's threatening Davros. Like it is, and it, I actually really like that in, on a number of levels. Obviously, it's because his mind is the most frightening thing and his, his, his diabolical uh, drive and ingenuity. But I like that they, they flip it. Like it is like he's so physically weak. Once the doctor's yep. alone with him, he can win like he yes. almost does like like just really quickly so um yeah and again sort of cool. part part of the tr- chilling dream logic here and part of its applicability to the real world is that this you know this maniac this ma- maniacal leaguer is so easy to overcome he's so frail you mm. know one one stiff wind would blow him over and and yet he's still sort of like the rebels against him are still you get the sense that he they think of him as uh, invulnerable, yeah. And you can't you can't I'm take terrified him down. of him too. Like it's terrified Ronson, of him. Ronson early on when he crosses Davros, who just like yeah. and just to save the Doctor uh, and Harry, like he, he could tell he's like, oh, I'm 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 in it now. Like holy cow! Yeah. And, he, and Davros even threatens that he's going to punish him later. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Doctor and Harry. Yeah, uh, that's uh, it's yeah it's it's weird because. I mean, they, they even when they've arrested him, they're like they they preface their speech to him with like, "No one doubts your contributions to science over the years." So he's, mm. you have this wonderful backstory that's never even really mentioned that he's just like this super sciencey guy that people kind of look up to, <clears throat> Elon Musk, uh, who kind of turns evil. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Yet he does uh, answer to the thing. civilian yeah. authorities at one point, which is in theory. Uh, yeah, in theory, and he mm-hmm. kind of like well, they they force him to shut down, and that's obviously like, what yeah. prompts him to uh, destroy his entire race. Um, like, yeah, sure, twelve hours, fine, no worries. Yeah, she just man. has that 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 uh, that <laughs> fake speech, you know, with the with the this you know the silver tongue. He's oh yeah, I'm all yeah. good, I'm all good, oh no problem, I'll totally it's cooperate. All fine, dude. It's yeah, it's very Uriah Heap. It's very sort of that guy in the office who you wouldn't, you just should not trust one inch uh, yeah. because he's super obsequious, the boss. Um, yeah, and it's it's so it's so chilling. Well, first of all, I will say to quote the magician's apprentice, "I'm having his chair." It is. <laughs> I've, I've always loved Davros's chair, and I've always loved how it works in Genesis of the Daleks because it makes you think of the Daleks. Yeah, right from totally. 
you know, in every scene that Davros is in without the Daleks, which turns out to be most of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? You, you, it, it makes up for that because it's called Genesis the Daleks, but the Daleks are barely in it. <laughs> yeah, like they're kind of here and there, but only most of the episode the one cliffhanger, a few scenes here and there, the first chronological Dalek extermination. But yeah, not really in, in it as much as you might remember. Um, but Davros is, and just his chair keeps the chilling image of of the Daleks on your mind. One it's interesting so chilling. thing. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's so chilling that I, I have to remember. So you know how you, when you give a speech and you're supposed to think of the audience naked or on the toilet or whatever, to kind of just make it less scary. Uh, I think the way to make Davros less scary is to know that first of all, Michael Wish was playing him in a kilter knee pads, <laughs> which <laughs> just like because okay. that's. He needed the maneuverability down there, and his, yeah, I guess his knees kept bumping that chair. So, like, that's that's an image I can't get out of my head now. Davros and kilt and knee pads. <laughs> well, the one um, I can't get out of my head is that he did rehearsals with a bag on his head. Yeah. So, so people I, would react to the voice. Yeah, I guess because uh, I, yeah, you know, you could you wouldn't do the mask uh, and the makeup because I mean that obviously takes you know, a lot of time and effort. Speaking of that mask and makeup, like this, this was the same one that was reused in '79 for Destiny of the Daleks, right? I believe so. It definitely looks the same. And then in the '80s, it's a different Davros mask, and it gets mm-hmm. substantially less scary. Would, um, would yeah, you share I, mean, I, I think it's it's different Davroses. I mean, they are the same character, but there's a very mm-hmm. conscious sort of break, I think, between Destiny and Resurrection of the Daleks, and we can get into that when we talk about Resurrection. Um, but I think Davros, Davros is driven even more angry and insane because of his imprisonment mm. in after uh, Destiny of the Daleks, um, which so, I guess gives him a facelift. Or yeah, it was it, it, they made some choices. I will say I I, I like the new series, the New Who Davros, because mm-hmm. it, it seemed to be kind of a nice merger of the two. Um, mm, and, and again, another better. another reinterpretation of the character. One thing, just sort of a nerd thing to note on Davros, I think. This is, I think, I really like is that you can't really pin down how old he is because the war's Mm. been going on for a thousand years. But if you think about how long he's been alive since then, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, theoretically, he might have been one of the first people wounded in this war, right? Like, maybe he is a thousand years old. Um, and his life support systems are just designed to keep him uh, fresh and. The reason no one else has that technology is, you know, obviously, like the technology went pretty south pretty quickly on Scaro once the war yep. really got going. So, like, you couldn't just start building life support systems for everybody. So, um, I like huh. that idea that Davros has probably been, you know, driven mad, even more mad by just fighting this war for a thousand years. Yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, chemical imbalance going on in that in that crazy cranium of his, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I miss this old mask, and even the new who one doesn't doesn't live up to it for me. For me, this this is chilling. I actually encountered it first in '79. Destiny of the Daleks was one of the, the very first Baker serial I, serials I fully remember watching, and uh, this one, yeah, sorry, this one or Destiny, 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 and guy. then uh, Genesis was repeated. We talked a lot on the show about how little. Uh, Doctor Who was repeated in the UK, so how little opportunity you get to see it. Th- this should give you a measure of it. Genesis of the Daleks was repeated on terrestrial TV in the UK, uh, twice in complete form and twice in uh, in uh, edited form, okay. uh, and that's it. That's it since 1975. <laughs> like wow. you know, new guys with your PBS every night, and just it's, <laughs> I still can't get over. It. Like we the another screening of Genesis of the Daleks was like a a you know 
When did you get a VCR? (laughs) (laughs) I what tape was so precious. I was never allowed to use it for for uh, for Doctor Who. Oh, we were archivists. We we recorded once we so once we got the VCR. I I, still I think those videotapes still might exist somewhere, even though they're probably long dated. But um, so it was repeated on Genesis many times. It was repeated in '82, which is when I saw it for the first time. Mm. Uh, so I saw it. I saw Destiny first, scared by Davros in that first. Now, wow, holy crap, he's even scarier. Um, so yeah, it left a deep impression on on my young brain. Why don't we talk a little bit about Niter? Just because I yeah. think, in terms of the performances here, like I, it's hard to pick the best one, but I really mm. was loving him this time. Like, obviously, he's the love to hate type character, but he is so dead on like you you know what this guy's about from scene one um just uh, the ultimate lieutenant evil lieutenant yes man but so like incredibly efficient uh at what he does so good at what he does and what he does is really despicable um yeah uh he's uh he's himmler to to yes exactly played by peter miles by the way who also was in um doctor who and the silurians and i I love i love doing this podcast because i didn't make a lot of these connections of the same actors when i was going through and it's like oh yes he's kind of a a dick scientist in that one and i'd see all those same characteristics played up here to create a different character and it's really really compelling it really is, and he uh, the, there's a, the wonderful scene where he has to open the safe for the, for right. the doctor, and the doctor kind of outwits him by being like, "Hang, hang on a minute, this the safe because they they need to get." Again, I gave it short shrift. The recording uh, of the uh, his future history of the Daleks and all the times they lose is in a safe in Davros's office. The doctor and Sarah, Harry, you have to go get it, and Nida. They they capture Nida, basically force him to do it, and I was like, I don't know the combination. <laughs> Doctor's like bullshit. You are the same height as the safe. Davros is in a chair. Uh, his only his left hand works. You need right hand for this work. You know, open the damn safe. Well, actually, I, I like the line that they says, and Davros never goes anywhere without you, Nida. And it, yeah. I like that they they flip his character to his weakness, right? Like we know, like we know you we're at episode six now, Nider. We know who you are and what you're yeah. about and don't even try. Like, no, you, we, you, you got, you, you got this dude. I was so. actually briefly fooled where, where he, he gets on, uh, uh, Garmin's side to, he's like, yeah, I'm part of, part of the, I'm one of you. Yeah, I'm part of the rebellion. It's it's a great scene, and I yeah, was almost fooled by it this time. <laughs> He's good. Almost, almost. Say, he like Nider does some good acting there, and so Peter Miles mm-hmm. acting as Nider, acting on the resistance. Um, yeah, it, it 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 works. But one great thing yeah. about just the Daleks is that it is such a rich. It feels like a richly drawn world, and it feels like the characters have their own motivations, and you have factions, mm. which is so rare in science fiction that sort of tends to treat one race of people as you know, just a, a unified body and just like, you know, it's a pencil sketch uh, yeah. of an actual world. This feels real. Cause you have, you have the smug politician, you know, mm-hmm. on, on both sides. Um, you have, uh, you have Garmin as sort of the, the nervous Nelly, who's also leading a, you know, trying to lead a resistance and you sort of know in your heart of hearts that it's doomed from the start because he just doesn't have quite what it takes Mm-hmm. To to stand yeah. up to Davros, um, you know, uh, Ronson is great. Uh, Severin, like all of these names, I have a hard time usually keeping the names in a Doctor Who episode straight because they're not 
that well drawn as characters. Yeah. And it's just sort of endless, uh, you know, sort of slightly unintentionally hilarious parade of names like Ravon. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rave on. Uh, who, who turns out to be another sort of perfect Nazi kind of kind of archetype, right? You know, the, yeah. the young, the, more of the Hitler youth kind of guy. Um, oh, yeah, that's the general, right? The young yeah, general. general Rave on. Yeah, that's good. It's too bad we didn't see a little more of him. He's, he, you almost feel like he's going to be a little more fleshed out with his mm. uh, sort of speech at the beginning. But even though, again, I, I don't think we're meant to judge too harshly a lot of the cruelty we see early on uh, because this is just, it's all these people have ever known. It's just been nonstop war. So it's interesting mm. that that character, I think the last we see of him is just after the doctor has made his appeal to the civilian authorities and he kind of congratulates him. He kind of goes to the doctor. That was a great speech. Like, mm. and it is a great speech. One, it's like, I got to say all the speeches here are great. And most of them are Tom Baker uh, or Davros, <laughs> uh, but they're all really good. And one of the things I, I love uh, what you said about the factions and all of it. One thing I, I, it's too bad. I mean, there's already so much going on, but like, it's too bad. We don't get a little more of that Khaled civilian authority. Like mm. you, I, I, it's interesting that they uh, take the doctor seriously at all. Um, which is kind of interesting. And we could talk a little, I have a theory on that, that we could talk about a little later when we go over <laughs> our regular things. Yes. Um, apparently, uh, Turn Sticks covered a lot of that in the novelization. It's like, you know, the doctor actually goes through many yeah. steps to get to the leaders. So it's like, it's a bit more believable that he can just walk into the room with the politicians on both sides. And, yeah. Uh, but I feel like them. it's one of these times where Doctor Who has really leveraged its uh, mythos. And like the mm -hmm. doctor talking about the Daleks as this, with this future knowledge, to these people who don't know about it. Um, and not just that they're coming and they're a threat, but they're you. And you're going to create, you're like inadvertent, like I, as the civilian leaders here, they're going to emerge mm -hmm. from you and your race to yeah. be pure evil. Like, I, it's almost like I want to, I want to get into that deliberation, you know, <laughs> like I want to be on uh, in, the, in the, the room there when they're kind of around, like, holy crap, like, could he be right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like, you know. Well, it sort of seems like they've accepted that. Mm. On a certain level, they're like, yeah, we live in a world of chemical warfare. The chemicals are already infecting our system in a few generations. By the way, how are they going to have future generations given that they are all men? Uh, what the <laughs> hell? Anyway. It's 1975. Well, least, Come on, people. At no least excuse. the Thals have, uh, have some of the ladies. Yes, do, do the Thals have at least one. A, a lady rebel leader. Yeah. Um, and uh, But yeah, we needed more than that. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I like the idea that they're sort of boiled frogs already to use that analogy of the, yeah. you know, put a frog in boiling water in, incorrect scientifically, but whatever, uh, great analogy. <laughs> like they've already, they're already boiled frogs to the point of like accepting that, oh yeah, this is our final form. We've, we've screwed ourselves up with chemicals. We're going to look like that in another, you know, hundred years or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like, there's not more. Like that debate is over. Yeah. It's kind of like climate change. Yeah. The climate's just going to change. I guess you have to sort of accept that maybe there was a time when they were like, we got to stop this or reverse it. And then mm. they tried everything and it just wasn't going to happen. So maybe this yeah. is just post that. And there's like, there's just nothing we can do. Cause they take everything Davros says at his word, right? Davros is yeah. apparently the smartest. He thinks there's no life on other planets, all these incorrect things. So maybe they were even, he was probably incorrect about that, but he probably just said, nah, you know, yeah. Uh, we can't well, stop Davros. it because I actually kind of like these mutants, so I'm just going to make that the conventional wisdom. Actually, I like that headcanon that he basically <laughs> maybe it is reversible, but Davros was like just too influential and 
they they didn't yeah. stop to question it. They they didn't, or yeah, or maybe it just sort of like took time to to get over that part. And a lot of think pieces in the Khaled press um, <laughs> later, they they emerge with like, oh yeah, I guess we're just going to look like monsters in the future. Okay, cool. Um, but but mess with their DNA, you have gone too far, sir. Take out their consciences. Uh-huh. Take out everything that makes us, you know, who we are. It's you know, we're we're war people. Sir, but by God, do not take away our conscience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Conscience-driven wars. Like you kind of, I, I don't know if this was uh, a conscious thing in the last couple of episodes, but once the Khaled Dome is destroyed, you kind mm-hmm. of wonder a little bit like why the elites aren't more dejected or depressed. Like, wouldn't you at that point be kind of wondering like, what's the point? Like, wow, we just completely mm-hmm. failed. And there's they sort of have the anger and the lashing out of sending the Daleks in, but then in the last two episodes, there's a lot of back and forth. Oh, should we keep like, I, you'd almost think they'd get a little existential. Like, what are we even doing here anymore? Like, you yeah. know, like uh, why, why, why develop the Daleks anymore? Like yeah. I, the, the Daleks all are gone. We're gone. Like uh, you don't quite get that sense of, of bunker mentality, right. Of like, and, yeah. you know, and, and just the grief of it all. Like this is a story with two genocides in it. This yeah. is rough, man. And this is, like if if you did a uh, you know return to this via new who kind of peek around the corners episode, you could certainly have a lot more of that. Like I'm, I'm picturing it as very Battlestar Galactica like, yes. you know, just just behind these scenes we're seeing, like there are walls full of photos of the dead, you know, yeah, and just little oh, messages to each one and. You know, people are grieving here and there. There are flowers. They're like people are like committing suicide as they do in Bastard Galactica. You know, their numbers are dwindling. It's like, what is even the point? You know, we we've got nowhere to live anymore. Um, you know, you get yeah. really sense of the the grim and darkness. Having said that, it is still so grim. Yes, for nineteen seventy five, this is super grim dark, and I'm also. I'm almost glad of those giant clams because they're comic relief. <laughs> yeah. In, in the middle of the grim dark. I, I, I yeah. can't quite get there either though. I mean, <laughs> the clams are, I mean, they're silly. I mean, one clam was bad enough, but to have them bring them back when they come back and there's a bunch and they're, they're kind yeah. of like Liz Slayton's like screaming about these things that aren't even moving <laughs> that you could pretty easily just, oh, okay. I'm just gonna bunch of clams. Go bunch of clams. Uh, by the way, this was the first ever story I ever saw with Sarah Jane in it, and uh, but Sarah Jane's reputation had preceded her because my mother would constantly tell me that Sarah Jane, oh, she could scream. Yeah, like that that was her thing. Her constant joke. Oh, she was a screamer. That Sarah Jane, and like this is the first example that yeah. I saw of it. And you got to say she's right. A lot she's, of screaming. Uh, yeah, primo Doctor Who screaming. You know, Liz Layden was 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 the best. Don't even try, Bonnie Langford. Don't even. I know you've got a voice <laughs> on you, but like Sarah Jane will always be the greatest screamer. She screams uh, appropriately, and she screams a little bit too much here and there on, on in this particular one. So I think this is pretty obviously it's pretty good for the time in terms of show, showing how mm-hmm. um, Sarah's capable. So she's prison. She's thrown into prison. Uh, sorry, the prison brigade with the Thals. Or yeah. the Mutos. The Mutos and her are hauling the radioactive material onto the Thal rocket. Uh, she comes up with the escape plan, which eh, isn't that great. It's not super thought through, but it's also like she comes up with it and motivates everyone. Yeah. So that's awesome. She has a point. It's yeah. better than dying. 
Yeah, I think that's that's what uh, tripped me up in the TLDW. I was so invested in Sarah Jane's story and in Liz Layden's acting that like I had to spend a whole minute talking about that that really not very important subplot. Um, yeah. But speaking of Sarah Jane, mm-hmm. there there is one point that they did for costume continuity uh, leading into the the next story, which is was yeah. another Cyberman story, which had already been filmed, right. in which she's wearing these like combat pants. And like a brown top, they 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 look very very seventies. And the doctor, so to to get over that costume continuity, it's weird that they don't care about costume continuity, like the Iron Cross disappearing, whatever <laughs> stuff like yeah. Never mind. Ah, but the next episode, we've got to explain why they're wearing those clothes. So the doctor just finds these like disco combat pants in a uh, in a locker, yeah, basically. And, and she's just like a studio. Yeah, she randomly starts wearing it, and and he grins at her. And he's also, he's like holding this costume. He's holding what looks like several grams of white powder in long, thin bags. And he's <laughs> grinning at her. He's handing her what looks like a Studio 54 ready outfit. I mean, despite being a timeless classic, this this is very 1975. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it, it's a weird choice to sort of fixate on that. I'm kind of glad they did. I mean, at least they cared about some continuity. So uh, it sort of indicates to me, okay, yeah, someone paying attention but man she's we're gonna party later sarah get these call <laughs> the white powder by the way turns yeah. out to be the explosives which takes us back to attack of the Sun. wake up in the tardis week. with a traffic cone you know like all that <laughs> that's happening but you're gonna want your military fatigues <laughs> yeah. you know you wake up in the tardis with a robot dog and you have no idea how you got it you must have been to the 50th century um <laughs> Yeah, and it's, there's there's another weird clothing continuity moment at the end where the Doctor retrieves his coat. Uh, but, but which, yeah, I I I didn't realize it was at the like I guess I missed I missed the first change, which I guess yeah. it's an external coat. So I thought he just switched coats, but I guess he had a coat over his shorter brown coat. Is is yeah. sort of a more brown coat, and then there's more of a darker grayish brown coat that's on top. Doctor of Who it. is really a very British show in in that sense. It's like there there are people <laughs> wear a lot of coats over yeah. their coats. <laughs> You got to be ready for that bad weather coming in. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, but just, yeah, he he retrieves it from an area that should have blown up. Like that, that's where the clothes right. were left, unless they were transported yeah. along with the stuff. And again, like I want to, I want to preface all of the mistakes and problems of plot holes uh, yeah. with of Genesis of the Daleks by saying, "Great story, classic story, no notes." But um, there is also, you know, sort of this weird thing with the time ring, right? Which, by the way, like they, so, the Time Lord hands them the time. It's not a time ring; it's a time bracelet. First of all, <laughs> uh, secondly, is what is the? I don't know. Like, uh, how cheap can you be? Why not give Sarah and Harry their own, hmm. and then you could just wear them? Um, I mean, I guess they would have then been captured too, and they had to retrieve them too. And yeah, they don't want to three times the problem. <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes a 10 part episode well scavenger hunt back and forth across the wasteland super quickly on the wasteland express between the domes uh retrieving the time rings but yet yeah, like, like second it's just kind of such a weird thing never really happens in doctor who again unless you count captain jack's you know wrist mounted oh the vortex time, manipulator the vortex manipulator yeah yeah uh which has a little time ring-esque to it but yeah, just kind of weird that they they all have to hold on to it at the end, and they start spinning around, and it's a bizarre effect. Yeah, and, it's uh, an okay choice. I mean, obviously, I think it, the main thing it works for. I, I feel like Terry Nation worked backwards from an issue 
mm-hmm. in the last part where why don't they just leave once they think they've done what they need to do and it's like oh well we can't do that and then the doctor still needs to witness the turning of the table so how do we how do we w- fix that problem so it's like oh the time ring right because it's such a, yeah. a, a contrived moment when the thing just falls in the hallway when they're struggling with the <laughs> it does and, and, yeah which which again brings me back to dream logic because literally most of my dreams are about losing things <laughs> and so seems, i totally yeah. resonated with oh shit i left my luggage over here you know i'm always dashing around in dreams to retrieve stuff so that, that totally worked but there's also the moment where it's like where's the time ring where's the time ring oh it's here doctor oh like, <laughs> a little bit of drama but again great story no notes yeah um well, I like how they kind of lose it at the beginning, and Harry's the sensible one, where the doctor's like, you can't have that, and then it's like, uh, you might want to not make a big deal out of it, because once yeah. we make a big deal out of it, they're going to think it's a big deal, and it's kind of a big deal. So, just chill. <laughs> oh, that old thing? That bracelet? Uh. Take it. I've I've got hundreds of those trinkets. Um yeah, it's it is interesting, and you sort of uh, mentioned this that you know, you know this is a story where the doctor loses, mm. um, and not only that, but it's a story where the doctor has to basically go in and retrieve the mistakes he's made in in the forms of the the tape. Yeah, perfect. How perfect that it's on tape. Yeah, uh, which could have seemed very seventies if you hadn't already introduced this idea that they're using mismatched technology. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he has to clean up his own mess. He has to rediscover the time ring that the that Time Lords have introduced and the tape that he introduced into the situation and then just kind of try and stay back and observe history as much as possible. Yeah, I think one of some of the better fan theories that have come out of this episode are, are chronicled in the Discontinuity Guide. And I like mm-hmm. the idea that even though the tape is destroyed, that Davros was there and listening with rapt attention the entire time mm. the doctor was talking. And so once Davros is revived later, like a little bit of that knowledge so he is retained and he kind of tries to recreate certain things or avoid certain things. Um, so like the idea that he would later sort of become a Dalek emperor, you know, and sort of trying mm. to kind of, and, and sort of like, okay, so the, the doctor seemed, you know, the, the emperor becomes this grand thing. Maybe I can sort of try to, figure out my my place in that or use that yeah. to my advantage but i mean the big theory that comes out of this um is that he, the big difference that the doctor makes isn't necessarily the bunker uh getting nuked and like uh, setting them back a thousand years because they're entombed and the incubator room is destroyed mm-hmm. it's that he davros gets more paranoid because of what the doctor has done and therefore he mm-hmm. survives because previous to this story he was never mentioned he was never part yes. of the daleks history and ah. this is the thing that's altered is that now that davros survives he becomes this force in their uh development later and therefore they become less of a threat because they're squabbling and in factions and davros is kind of inserting himself into places because he wants his own power um which was a good theory up until new who right because then it's like mm. okay hold on but the daleks do actually become this massive co- you know uh existential threat to the universe and um uh, but i still like it i still like that idea that the 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 x factor is davros himself who after that after genesis there isn't a single classic series adventure that doesn't with with the daleks that doesn't feature him yeah yeah i love that idea the doctor himself has has uh basically (laughs) given him a future of of battling davros given himself Mm. a future of that uh wow yeah i love it yeah. Love that change. 
It's a great. <sighs> it's a, it's a great dramatically. What's good is that. Um, you know, the Davros as a leader of the Daleks, I mean, Terry Nation would famously talk about how he didn't like having long conversations with Daleks and mm. he felt they kind of needed a leader and that did help. And there are some good Davros stories and done some weaker Davros stories, but it's like uh, having that person, having, having him now feature more and more is great. By the way, it's like interesting that they didn't make it more explicit that he does survive because yeah. the way it's shot, you figure like it, it looks like, oh, I guess they just killed him. But they do bring him back, and they they attended to, I think, because they 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 talked. There's a, I think there's a scene that's not quite like that. The scene that they ended up filming isn't quite the scene they had scripted, where it was a little more explicit, not explicit, but like the possibility of him surviving was a little more clear. Um, yeah. So it was, it was unclear enough that Terrence Sticks killed him off in the novelization. Uh, um, yeah, interesting. Oops. So I mean, maybe maybe they're fooling themselves. It's like more of a retcon that they're saying, "Oh yeah, we we had to bring him back." Because when they bring him back in in Destiny, there's no explanation. Mm. Um, well, looking at it through a modern lens, we we definitely read this as Davros is going to survive, even if you knew nothing else about yeah. Doctor Who, because we don't see the actual. We don't actually see him dying. We don't see him doing the negative film effect of the extermination. Right. Right. You, I think you see his hand or yeah. something or like, but the camera is panning away. Now that to me reads just like, you know, the quote unquote death of Kingpin at the end of Hawkeye. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> uh, where it's just like the camera pans away. Uh, you know, he's not really dead. Like that's just what we know with villains. If you don't see them die. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just, uh, I, I kind of want to see it's like, honestly come to think of it. It's less about how the scene is shot and sort of like what happens after. And I kind of want to see a mini sode that explains sort of the Dalek incompetence of like disposing of the body or yeah. whatever. Cause it's like, okay, well if he didn't die, like he was shot, maybe his, his chair kept them alive or there was a force field, whatever it is, but he's there, you know, like, I mean, yeah. like the, the body, what the, the seemingly dead body is there. The Daleks would want to dispose of it. How, and then how does he then, I mean, he doesn't go anywhere because he ends up just sort of buried under the 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 bunker, and he's yeah. retrieved later in Destiny of the Daleks. I mean, presumably, I mean, maybe he does have a, something happens to him when he gets put back there. I mean, you could you could write that too, but I'd, I'd love to sort of see that fleshed out. I think there's an opportunity there to, to to flesh out what's going on. One indelible image from Destiny of the Daleks, where where the the eye on his head flicks on the. The light on his head flicks on, and I, just, I think that was a cliffhanger in Destiny of the Daleks, but I've never been able to get it out of my memory. Um, but yeah, speaking of Davros, the, date, the great technologist, and technology that has kind of dated, like, you know, yes, again, you say development technology is all over the place because thousand-year war, but the scientists are all super impressed when Davros voice controls the Dalek at the start, <laughs> and and so were we at the time, but now we look at it and he's like, you know, go forward, turn left, do this, do that. And we're like, Siri, you've just, in you've just invented Siri. Basically. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, uh, do you need Siri? It's like being right. <laughs> like, I mean, like why is voice control so great? Like it's just hearing you and operating the controls, right? Remember this isn't a robot Davros. Like this is, this is a person in there. I mean, it's a thing, yeah. but it's like, Maybe it just understands English and understands how to do the controls. Isn't that what has been perfected? Which isn't really perfected anything, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely, that, that is the one thing about Genesis that has perhaps aged more than anything else, is that sense of like, we're, we're just no longer impressed yeah. by 
voice controlled anything. But yeah, you're also right. It, it just, yeah, the Daleks are supposed to be autonomous, like even right there at the start, right? Well, I mean, kind he does talk idea. about like, and it's it's a little unclear, like sometimes that, like he says early on, they're only partially in control or something. And so, and they're, mm. and they're, they're programmed. So the, the line between being and machine is always been a little bit, I think, deliberately unclear with the Daleks. How much are they sort of robotic and emotionless and how much are they like real, uh, like just beings within a, a car? essentially mm. um yeah i think I, I, I definitely got you know tesla tesla three vibes from travel machine mark three uh, <laughs> like that's that's how daleks would emerge in our world there's the dalek model y man i guess that's the, <laughs> those are probably the revolution daleks but really like you know this is this is more davros episode than dalek episode and i, sure. I can't we can't talk enough about the i think the the dialogue between uh the doctor and davros and yes. uh like the the episodes five and six in particular like the 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 bit where um it, when they're just shouting at each other like right before he goes into the confession and the davros mm. has now this appreciation and believe he believes who the doctor is and forces him to you know confess all the dalek defeats but then like the when the doctor stands up to him and just is they're both yelling like you'll tell me and no i will not like you just mm. like it's almost like they have history instantly you yes. know like it's like uh, wow like i mean I, I you very rarely get like this great um meaning of equals you know yeah. with the doctor and the villain and i, I it's almost it's just done more perfect. so almost more so as you said earlier than with the master like the, the doctor we know from his history from their history love a good megalomaniac mm. uh they really do and, and who's better than davros at this he's fascinated by them he's fascinated by the mindset which is why he introduces this thought experiment about releasing releasing the virus um but I, I gotta say, uh, while we're while we're on the subject, and then I will drop the subject entirely of Davros and technology. Uh, the randomizer has previously brought us to stories where I have said, you know, if you just program that robot with the three laws of robotics about, you know, <laughs> Isaac Asimov's famous rule of like how not to harm human beings, like just a little bit of programming here. I accept that Davros, not not you know, being a total totally solipsistic, you know, would not want the Daleks to not harm anyone. Obviously they're war machines, like whatever, but program with the three program them with the three laws of not killing their own creator, not killing Davos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kind of forgot. Would have been, would have been a smart move (laughs) there. Uh, And I just, I love the idea that the Daleks like, what, what is pity? I do not understand. This word is not programmed. Like, well, okay. I, I guess, you know, Oops, just desserts. But still, you could have built in a failsafe of like, you know. By the way, deep in your programming, this he's 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 doing it to people. He like he has, you know, uh, replaced the heart of one of the scientists, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, in in order to sort of bring him under his control, like you know, I I just I think that was a bit of an oversight there, Davros. Sorry. Oh, totally. But I kind of almost <laughs> Otherwise, believe it. Otherwise, ten out of ten, great plot, no notes. Yeah, he he t- says in I think episode two when he's doing the first experiment, he's so pleased that the Dalek showed an instinct to kill, and mm. all on its own, like it gives a total autonomous control. And I think that sort of sets up that ending a little bit, where he's like, oh, this, you know, I he sees them as his children and he, they're basically like, yeah. okay, like I'm going to, um, 
the trust that that my guidance here has turned them into the thing that will not just do all the things I want, but also have a, a built-in reverence for me. And boy, does that not happen. <laughs> yeah, they they really could have built in, you know, the the song "Cats in the Cradle" here. Like, you know, Deborah oh, yeah. realizes my boy has grown up just like me. The dolls in the cradle. <laughs> dolls in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> nice. So speaking of uh, speeches and dialogue, though, so the the we got to talk about the do I have the right moment. We got to really like unpack this. I was going to say that. Yeah, we've, we've gone through like nearly an hour and a half of talking about Genesis of the Daleks without mentioning the words, have I the right? Yes. And uh, first of all, a little interesting note, which uh, is uh, is that it was originally the season five, oh, sorry, the, the part, episode five cliffhanger, yeah. uh, which ended up being the, Dal- the doctor getting attacked by the Dalek mutant, uh, which is a fine cliffhanger. But man, I, I really wish they had contorted it more in terms of runtime and figured out how to get that. Do I have the right? Because that would have been the ultimate cliffhanger in all of Doctor Who. Uh, it is such an indelible image. The doctor standing there with two wires in his hand, and we've set it up so that all he has to do is spark those wires together. And I remember as a kid, like you're practically on the couch jumping and screaming at the doctor to, to put, touch the two wires together yeah. and these evil, scary things. And Sarah's there to, to be yeah. that voice. Yeah. Yeah. And she does that so well this later in that scene yeah. and it just you know and it, the doctor staring at that yeah to make that a cliffhanger would have been so unique so original and so redefine what cliffhangers were um yeah and you would have no doubt you know there's often debate in, in the history of doctor who what is the best cliffhanger you would have no doubt that this yeah. would be it given it's such a classic chilling moral moment but yeah i guess they, they just at the time it wouldn't have seemed punchy enough yeah, it, right it, well it's just that like it would be the one cliffhanger you really don't know how it's gonna go like yeah you really don't like it, it would be like holy cow like i mean because uh, you know a dalek on the neck is one thing it's like okay he'll, he'll get rid of that somehow we know but the, the like is he going to destroy them or isn't he I, like how are they going to write that like i you'd just be on the edge of your seat uh yeah I, and I, imagine yeah. doing that these days the the discourse the hashtag discourse that would follow all over, all over Twitter for weeks after yeah. this, after a choice like that of like just making the moral dilemma of the cliffhanger. I love it. Yeah, so so it's great that the Doctor has this moment. The dialogue is perfect. I love that Sarah's there, the one to kind of like try to convince him to to mm. finish the mission for the Time Lords. I also like just as sort of a comedic aside. I, I it's a, a perfect choice to have Ian Martyr as Harry just kind of sit back. But you kind of wonder how Harry's like. Well, okay, like it's almost like seeing a a couple fight in front of you and you're just you're kind of the third wheel and you're like i'm i'm gonna i'm just gonna let you guys yeah i'm gonna i'll be over i'll, I'll be right back at you guys you yeah know, like, harry harry uh, yeah I, d- I don't know how good he comes out of this whole story i mean he's i feel like his finest moment is right at the start with the the landmine right uh, yeah that was good and the yes, jokes that same. come out of that he's like yeah he's that's his one moment of really being heroic uh otherwise he's just sort of like a a not very good Watson to the Doctor's yeah. Sherlock. Yeah, he he lets the Doctor be be the Doctor, and it, when he's playing up some of the very few comedic moments, it makes it better. So mm. the the comedic like I, there's not a lot of comedy in this one, but it is like it's good. Like it's really funny stuff. You see Tom Baker's bit where he's asking for tea in the college bunker, and he does yeah. the no tea Harry bit. Yeah, you no know, tea, Harry, which was an ad lib, which yeah. is not in the script. 
That was Baker starting to flesh out his more comedic doctor. Yeah. And he's so young in here. I mean, we just came from State of mm. Decay. That's the last Baker episode we did. And it's yeah. it's interesting. Where that, he was in a State of Decay. And now here he is, fresh-faced. Fresh-faced, youthful. Like, he's, he's still uh, kind of figuring out his doctor a bit. And I think mm. this episode is obviously very definitive for Baker in his era. And I think probably for his performance. You know, like... It, yes, he, he that, definitely that he peaked he peaked early um, yeah. and kind of returned to that peak throughout his run, but also the show kind of I feel like it peaked stylistically mm. uh, at this point. Like this, this is the quintessential Baker outfit right. for the Doctor, yeah. and, and indeed you got to say the quintessential outfit for the Doctor. Full stop. Yeah, uh, certainly before the new series, like if you saw the Doctor represented in anything like. The Simpsons, like Freaks and Geeks, it's the Tom Baker dog, and specifically this Genesis of the Daleks costume. Yeah, and, and also the choice to have essentially his scarf almost like a choker around his neck. Yeah. I mean, it's a little tight, I got to say, and I think in, in subsequent <laughs> seasons they've loosened it up. Um, but like, it's it's just like really like it's like one good tug, Doctor, and I think you're Peter Davison, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> So you should probably loosen that a bit. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, you know the the outfits are iconic all round. Uh, it's mm. it's very seventies, but it's also you know other than Sarah's seventies disco costume found in a locker, uh, it's it's really a style like the the way that the thals look, you know, mm-hmm. with the green outfits and the yellow, you know, that just feels so super sixties seventies science fictiony, and it just. The style all round of everything in this, I, I love it. Um, yeah, and uh, again, once again, a template that the rest of the series could have followed. Yeah, interesting note on some of the weaponry, like the um, guns. I guess I think it's the one of the soldiers. I don't forget if it's called Earth all, but it actually uses a gun from Galaxy Four. Galaxy Four, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so odd, trivia, so yeah. random. Kind like like that's, and that's how far, that's how close we are in time mm. to. You know, like early Hartnell Who. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, within Closer 10 years to Hartnell than, than anything else, for sure. But, also, yeah. interesting chronological note about proximity and time. The the 40th anniversary of Hitler's death in his bunker was a few weeks after Genesis of the Dark oh, wow. screened. was only 40 years prior. So to a lot of the audience, this would have still felt like, you know, Hitler was real. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was a commentary on on that thing that was in within living memory it's not a uh not an anniversary many celebrate but if you do <laughs> no. good viewing of genesis of the daleks is is probably a good way to do it honestly i think we should celebrate the anniversary of hitler you know dead in a ditch sure. uh on fire oh, yeah. uh, as ideas puts it yeah. uh, maybe yeah, people let's... do i, I reckon that we recommend <laughs> genesis of the daleks if uh, yeah. you need some viewing in there if you need some megalomaniacal bunker viewing to celebrate it, watch Downfall and then watch this. <laughs> a couple other notable firsts and lasts in this serial. So this is the first time the Dalek weaponry actually produces a beam effect. Up until mm. this point, it was always just the, the negative. They do the positive negative to show the effect of it. They still use that here, but this is the first time they actually use a beam, which I got to think was probably pretty awesome for uh, the the viewers at the time. Yeah. Yeah, this the the exterminations were great. It still sends a chill seeing that sort of uh, negative film effect uh, works just as well in color as it did in black and white. And we see also chronologically the first 
the first ever extermination, right? Is it Ronson? Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. Is that the first person to kill? That's. I think you're right. It is mm-hmm. Ronson. With yeah, it's because he 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 has another great speech by Davros. He's all like, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna strike back with a an attack. So he says something like so merciless, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just delighting. Like you could see almost see blood coming down his his yeah. uh, teeth or something because it's like he's he's just so uh, full on anger and killing. And yeah, Rance is the first one that gets killed, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's perfect because he, of course, Davros has to uh, draw attention away from his own treachery. So he identifies Ronson as yeah. the traitor. And Ronson is the guy who needs to be getting rid of because he's the one who's been working with the doctor. And it's kind of a surprise because at that point in the story, you're expecting Ronson to play more of a role. Yeah. He might in other lesser Who stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's dead. He's out. No, they. That's uh, this is might be the everybody dies episode. Not quite everybody, mm. but I mean, like that. Like basically, all the Khaleds die. Uh, Literally, piles of bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's it's, a lot of it's grimness. Quite, quite spectacularly grim. So it's the first. Also, it's the first freeze frame cliffhanger. Yeah, and that's right when Sarah falls from the uh, scaffolding around the rocket, and she it sort of freezes with her midair. Um, uh, I I kind of I gotta be honest with you. I kind of hate it. I kind of hate freeze frame uh, cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we I can't honestly remember the lot. We we we've definitely been to an episode where they did a freeze frame, and I forget which one it was. But every time I, I see it, it it's the pretty bad. same. I think it was the same director. Okay. And it was. I think it was also later in Baker's. Yeah, I think run, it was a Baker maybe? one. Uh, we've done plenty of Bakers, but yeah, I think it's just it's just not good. Um, it's also it I, hasn't aged well. Yeah, the re- the resolution of that cliffhanger too is also not so great. It's one of those cliffhanger not that ends up being nothing. So she kind of falls just a little bit to another scaffolding. And there's no, yeah. um, there's no other sort of X factor that helps there. Which is like, eh, come on. You could have done better. Did you? You know, they they got a they got a stunt person in to do that fall, but then they found that Liz Layden had already been doing falls further than the stunt person was going to do. So, <laughs> just another reason to love Liz Layden. Um, the height thing they they do the scaffolding thing very well. Like one thing Genesis Daleks does really really well is like with with a lot of the tight end shots, it makes you realize it f- makes you forget like how minimal the the set is right yeah. how cheap the set is because we're almost never in in wide angle we're we're in mid or we're we're up close and i was like how are they going to do this rocket thing is it going to be some sort of cheesy cso rocket that they're climbing up um you know and they're clearly not there and but no the scaffolding actually worked yeah actually uh, it's one of the better it's almost ones like a stage play effect yeah the scaffolding works. Even the the quick shots of the rocket when she's looking up at it um, were mm-hmm. fine. Like there was nothing really to complain about there. Um, I would again, I would complain about her plan and that like, well, the guys down in the ground have guns, mm-hmm. <laughs> they use them. So uh, without any kind of like either stealthy way of doing this or a shielding, I think this is not going to go so well. And of course it doesn't go so well. Um, that said, I, I like the plan overall and it would have been really nice again, totally beyond the budget of the time. But again, if you're remaking the canon of classic who seeing the outside of the dome and seeing her like climb out, even if she, if her attempt fails would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, note to, Note to anyone doing uh, <laughs> uh, more more uh, the, the the episode you're talking about, which is the yeah. let's go back into this. I would love to see some more uh, some more dome action. 
Dome it up. <laughs> More dome action. <laughs> Let's get some bumper stickers made with that on it. But still, Sarah Jane, great, great escape plan. No notes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Also, there is an unintentionally hilarious. I should also mention the moment at the top of the the rocket where it's like you must leap across this great chasm of one foot. Yeah, yeah. And you must, and she has to do it twice because the guard has to bring her back. Right, and it's both times it's played as if it's this enormous jump. Yeah, and uh, Jack was uh, when we were watching it. He was really harsh on Sarah because he was like, uh, he was looking at that. It's like I can walk over that, and and she does at some point. So like, just walk <laughs> over it, and she it kind of was really hard. As oh, she, Sarah sucks, and it's like I, Jack, you know, that's easy to look at with the lens of twenty twenty two. <laughs> that's something in 1975 girl. but it's still yeah. i think that's that's a testament to turning lemonade into lemons there uh to how good the story had done so far not pointing out its unreality yeah. but they they just expanded that gap by a few feet uh yeah. it might have worked a lot better but, but you know getting classic story no notes so chris we gotta talk about a few questions yes and one of them is why why did the randomizer take us here in the first place what do you think <laughs> what's the through line well, we went from uh, crap Cybermen, or what I consider to be crap Cybermen, to perfect Daleks. Like it's such a such a whiplash to go from attack of the Cybermen to Genesis of the Daleks, and I think so. I applaud mm. the randomizer for just the the whiplash effect that 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 brought up. Also, also it's Baker to Baker. We know the randomizer loves Bakers <laughs> and it loves Capaldi's. Baker to so, Baker. Uh, Beta, Baker like to Baker, that. it likes doing two Bakers and then two Capaldis, mm. right? Uh, it loves Time Lords. True. Um, we already know that. We've had a lot of Time Lord episodes, like Hellbent um, and uh, Deadly Assassin, of course, and uh, and Terror, even to like Terror of the Autons. It, Randomizer loves um, Time Lords just jumping out of nowhere. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it also, so I've said, quite a bit in previous weeks that I love episodes where, you know, one way to make a Doctor Who episode great for me is if the Doctor returns to the TARDIS mid-story, right. realizes that he uses the TARDIS resource, and the randomizer, I think, heard me say that and was like, oh, you like stories with the TARDIS in, do you? Well, here's Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> we are so far away from the TARDIS, it's unreal. It's it's the only story, I believe, in the mm. classic series that doesn't feature the TARDIS at all. Yeah, and, and you know what? In the new series, also didn't feature the TARDIS at all. It was where midnight. Midnight. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, which way we've been there. Yeah, that's that could be the through line. <laughs> now that was a little while ago. That was a uh, I don't know how many episodes ago, but a it while. Was, ago. but definitely themes. We can see themes that yeah. are coming up in the randomized my, choices. My straightforward um, explanation for this is that it, this is actually our first proper Dalek episode. So I think it's actually just mm. wants us to take them in chronological order. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> We start with I mean, this one, and I think I don't know what the next one would be. Might be uh, the chances against that happening are a million to one, but yeah. it could still happen. It'd be amazing, though. I think what is the? I'll have to look it up. What the next one is? It's probably something like um, Power of the Daleks or something. So yeah, um, it yeah. would be. So they went. I, I mean, I'm confused as to Dalek chronology. So they did have other ones that were pre the Daleks. Um. Yeah. I mean, it depends where how where you think the Daleks is, right? Like, it could be the Daleks, <laughs> or 
you know, whatever, <laughs> I think whatever Dalek story we arrive at, I think I'll figure out a way to make it early. It's the next one in the chronology because <laughs> it can be toward whatever you want, but it could be the Daleks. It could be the power of the Daleks. There's, there's bits of stories that are earlier, you know, cause they're time travelers. So there's like evil mm. of the Daleks is in like the Victorian era. So I, I, I think there's, there's ways to do it. <laughs> right. I'm just going with that. All right, that works. That works. And uh, yes, oh, oh, great and glorious randomizer. Uh, please give us Dalek stories in order. Now you have begun. Uh, watch it completely ignore me. <laughs> so, um, Chris, what yeah. if the evil plot had succeeded here? Yeah, that's our, uh, our next uh, regular segment. And uh, I got to say, it's whose is the evil plot? Yeah. Is it, first of all, is it the Time Lords or is it the Daleks? Ooh, that's a good the time moral Lords dilemma. Are, interfering here for as far as we know the first time in their history and they punish the doctor for interfering which gets lets me do a quick quick digression if you don't mind yeah maybe not so quick but i gotta do it just because it's like this came up because jack brought up well why if this is if the the time lords are intent on destroying the daleks of their creation why just Mm -hmm. send the doctor why not come in force why not Mm -hmm. You know, essentially come back and crush them. And I, I thought about that, and it's like, well, um, it's, it's beyond it just not being their style. I think that this is sort of how time works in some ways. Like, if you're going to go change the history, if you're going to alter the timeline, there's only ways, there's only, uh, you can only do it in a subtle way for it to succeed. Because mm. otherwise, if you do a major incursion in the past, like we've seen, you know, those those time monsters come out that start eating time basically time gets wounded if you if you hurt it too much you know and then it it sterilizes the wound and that creates massive waves that are worse than the thing you're trying to do so Mm. but if you send one person back if you send just the doctor and you do it essentially on the down low and try to Mm -hmm. change time in a more subtle way then it's almost like time doesn't notice like the time stream is like okay maybe that that always happened sure we'll go with it you know, like, so that's kind of like, I think that's my headcanon here on, on changing time. I love it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah the doctor is definitely an, uh, an agent of time who's shown that he can get away with changing time in little, little ways. But even so, even if it's just one person, like wiping out the Daleks would have massive implications on the entire history yeah. of the universe. Uh, so it's just bizarre that the Time Lords thought they'd get away with this. And this is why there's, it wouldn't just be fan service to return here, yeah. right? Uh, to, to return to this episode, provide more context. Um, we desperately need that. So, it, so if it had one, then yeah, I don't know what happens. No Daleks, a lot more people <laughs> live, but they're all like oh, less, jerks to each other. They're all jerks to each other. Maybe there are more wars. Yeah, than there would have otherwise. What been. if there's actually more loss of life because yeah. because of that? And then there's kind of a a a, a review, a post mortem, if you will, of like, right. okay, hold on, we need to we need to do something else, or you know, some some kind of Thanos type emerges out of that to kind of you know correct the problem in yeah. even yeah. even worse ways. Yeah, so just just the the moral of the story is don't try to change time, kids. Even if it's a you know, let's wipe out the Daleks. It's it's very much the the Doctor Who equivalent of a a question that is often debated, which would later become a Doctor Who episode, right? Let's kill Hitler, um, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. 
would you go but this episode has serious would you kill baby hitler vibes um because it's basically the moral dilemma at the end uh might have been improved if we'd seen a dalek uh creature that looked a little more babyish like oh it's cute it has this little (laughs) eye um which uh but we don't see that we do see it a few times in classic who and and you see it in five doctors the actual dalek monster anyway i'm going off on another tangent no but it's a good tangent because i like you know zeroing in on the um the let's kill hitler do you kill like the Mm. back to the question the moral dilemma of the episode which i think really informs a lot of uh new who takes on the daleks like you know whether it's dalek or parting of the ways or into the Dalek, like this, a whole idea of the Doctor and the Daleks constantly uh, trying to kill each other, and also the Doctor constantly wondering if he's becoming as bad as they are for getting so deep into this conflict. I feel like this is the right. template episode for that, and yeah. it's 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 kind of like really been retreading it ever since, and it's good yeah. retreads. I mean, I don't mean to that as a slam. I, all the episodes I just named, I really like. Um, but we, we should almost retread it more often. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't get tiresome, but it's also like that, that is the essence of their conflict and you can, you can breathe on it in different ways, have different outcomes mm. and also um, just, just bring freshness to it with new context. So um, again, you can do it too often, but it is, this is, this is it. This is the original sort of formula and you know, you could see why it is. Uh, yeah. So that's whose evil plot is it? I, I really like your take that it's actually the time Lord's <laughs> evil plot. Uh, it is because the other evil plot kind of succeeds uh, in terms of, you know, well, Davros does unleash the Daleks. I guess you could say the evil plot succeeding would be him unleashing the Daleks and them still being nice to him. Yeah. But maybe you should have thought of that, that and taken them <laughs> to a few ball games, Davros. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe when uh, you know there's a new tape made based on this episode that gets back yeah. to him, and he'll <laughs> he kind of just keep yes. redoing this Genesis again and again. He should have. That's back. what the Doctor should have just said when the, the Davros is torturing him. He's like, "How do the Daleks lose, Doctor?" He's like, <clears throat> "They lose because they don't have your guidance, Davros." I was like, "Why is that?" He's like, "Because you didn't spend enough quality time with them, <laughs> and you know." We took away their capacity for them to like you. And cut, <laughs> cut to scene of Davros and the Daleks out for a day's vacation, you know, just hitting the sights, getting ice creams together. <laughs> I love uh, it. Bonding time. Hey, throwing balls. I have some popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> you could really throw a baseball with a Dalek. You could pick it up in the, the plunger hand, right? <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. You know? Yes. Annihilate the baseball if it misses. Yeah. Um, I like to play that game. Um, well, another <laughs> game I like to play is Where's Clara? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we uh, we have sent the Clara Splinter throughout time and slightly more episodes uh, than uh, she was seen in Name of the Doctor, which is to say, we imagine that she's in all of them. Um, who's to say we're wrong? Who's to say we're wrong? Certainly not not any other Doctor Who fan with their own headcanon. Um, but it's a useful and convenient way to tie up loose plot points and there right. are a fair few <laughs> uh first of all i think she uh, would have put a that fabulous studio 54 outfit in uh, sarah jane's size in that locker because mm-hmm. that's pretty good she's yeah. where sarah jane has to look great and kind of needs a change you know after working as a prisoner for so long she's she's a bit ripe needs some new clothes so clara's thinking about clothes very important part of doctor Who. okay 
as we know from this episode. She's also, I think, uh, introducing the doctor to like the right people to get him to to talk to the Khalid leadership. Yeah. It, so I, immediately. Yeah, I'm with that one. I like that. Yeah. Because it's like, I, yeah. I see her as like, she's, an exa- she, first of all, she can't be a Thal because she's not blonde. So <laughs> she's not a well, Thal. Well, a splinter could be blonde. I guess, yeah. Come to think yeah. of it. Could, could, would that work? Maybe. Um, How could you be a Thal though and just, just sort of stand by and watch all that, that massacre happen? Yeah, I don't, I can't uh, find the, the, the thing to fill in over there. Um, mm. So I, I do, but I do like the idea that she, maybe she's like the executive assistant to the president <laughs> or whatever the leader is and just kind of like, oh, like yeah. you know you should listen to this dude with the scarf he's i think yeah. he's gone to something and the guy's like really well, like, yes all right yes mr president i've just put some room on your schedule with a mr john smith um <laughs> he's like who who is that oh you agreed to talk to him weeks ago he's got some ideas on the war <laughs> um fast look just look at the outfit if you don't like what he's saying he's he's you know he's a tall drink of water <laughs> nice so yeah i'm going with that one she's she's facilitating that uh conversation uh which unfortunately goes disastrously wrong but what are you gonna do um cool all right well that was genesis of the daleks but i think uh do we even need to say whether we like this one or not whether it's a dalek or an ogron i mean come on it's come on clearly a dalek it's clearly a dalek it's a dalek it's ever of, man this is what it, it is improved this is the first time I've seen it since watching Magician's Apprentice, uh, Sorcerer's Familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Uh, which is familiar, whatever the hell that combo was called. <laughs> and it, it really does inform it, doesn't it? Like the the mix of technologies, I'd forgotten about that right. aspect. Uh, the hand mines referencing the land mines. Uh, literally the question of, do you kill child Davros? Mm. Um you know, we're yeah. that waiting. Almost forgot stuff. about that. Do we? Does that yeah. answer definitively how old Davros is? By the way, I, I, does, do they say? Do you remember if they say in which is familiar? Like how long the war's been going at that point? I don't think they yeah. do. Okay, could perhaps be. it is a throwaway line. We should look that yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, watch, watch the randomizer take us there next. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that could would be, be it. spooky as hell. That's like almost not chrono- chronological though. I mean, but again, <laughs> yeah. it's earlier. I don't know. I could twist it. I'll figure it out. But yeah, it does. But also the you know the the, the Doctor and Davros's relationship in that is is super interesting. Like yeah, you say it's sort of like clearly they're they're frenemies. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm having this chat, guys. It's time to figure out where we're going from Genesis of the Daleks. Now it's time to activate the randomizer um, and go back somewhere. Um, as everyone knows, <laughs> but if you don't, we the randomizer consists of two parts. The randomizer is the poll to open codex, which is linked to in the show notes, and you can find every single episode of Doctor Who there, um, every single story, all 299 of them, soon to be 300 in a couple Very of weeks. Exciting. And the second part is the executor. That's which, right. The executor is played by random.org, which uh, produces true randomness by looking at atmospheric noise rather than the pseudo pseudo randomness of computer algorithms, which just just guess at a random number because they are dumb like like pre Mark three Daleks. Um, so yes, yeah, so Pete has the list. I have numbers one and two hundred ninety nine plugged into the random number number generator for the very last time because it will soon be one and three hundred. Um, 
and uh, I do I do not know what these numbers represent. Pete has that okay. information. Yep, it's I've got this right here. Kind of a nice right of labor here. Codex is wide open, ready. So yeah, ready, ready for ready, a challenge. Ready perhaps? for input. Do, do you want to give it a challenge, mm, or dare good... we dare we not stream? Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can think of something. I think we should go somewhere. Uh, to we should go to a doctor we haven't been before. That's an easy one. Mm, okay. And there are, um, at least three. What is it? Eggleston and yeah. McCoy. McGann. And of course, McGann, who is a uh, you know that's that's the Yahtzee <laughs> yeah. moment. Uh, <laughs> and technically, Whitaker. The randomizer's not taking us to a Whitaker. True. That's true. So. Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say let's let's stick with the Daleks. Yeah, um, I, I feel yeah we we sort of may have equal chance of success here. Okay. <laughs> In this, all right. So give me a countdown. I will hit the generate button. You got it. It's four, three, two, one. Spoilers. One hundred and twenty-five. Oh, I think we're still in old who? Yeah, it's Terminus. Ooh. Okay. Davison, right? That is Davison. That's actually the the, the uh, serial that follows Modern Undead, which we've been to. Oh, so, that is another thing the randomizer likes to do is bunch stuff up like that. And Turlo is its favorite favorite companion. We've we've <laughs> this is this will be the fourth Turlo episode we've done. All right. Well, we have reached our terminus, and it is the terminus of this episode, this extra long episode of Genesis of the Daleks. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast pete is this a podcast it's a podcast everyone hey if you have a podcast app and for whatever reason you haven't subscribed to us please do please also tell your friends and other doctor who fans and random people on the internet go ahead ask them to subscribe as well we're on all the good uh platforms as we mentioned at the top we're on apple uh amazon music spotify stitcher breaker google podcasts all the good places and while you're there please again leave us a review they really do help the podcast reach more ears so go ahead pause the playback leave a review leave one emoji and five stars we we would uh, be eternally grateful and we'd love to read your review out on air uh follow us on social media we are super active on tiktok at pull to open all one word uh we're also on twitter and instagram at pull to open 63 we're sharing stuff there too uh and it's super fun uh feel free to comment engage and uh yeah just tell us how you're doing and we'd love to uh we'd love to nerd out with you 100 percent. we always love nerding out with you we'll give you a big shout out on the show and we will see you here next time and talk about terminus and uh, perhaps a little special episode before then all right talk to you soon guys